Oh, just, you know, the anxiety for that. Yeah. And then the ADHD and then the hypertension as, as well. And um, like allergies. <laughs> um, kind of like. She's single. Hello and welcome to Pure Filth. This is a podcast about writing. I'm Michelle. And I'm Sarah. Hello. Hi. How are, How are you? you? Uh, well. You're well? I am well. You were supposed to have a date, but then you didn't have a date, right? Yeah, because I, I did the thing. I said on the last podcast that I was going to have a date and then, and then he cancelled because I had said it. Well, uh, not only that, but we said, I also said on the last podcast that your period, you were saying that your period had just ended and I was like, yeah, it's coming again in two days. And it did. Two days later, along came my period and I, I've never done this before, but I looked in my knickers and I said, oh, Michelle. (laughs) So that was a first. That was a first. (laughs) So yeah, if you're some one of these days, you're gonna admit that jinxing exists, um, because you, you that's literally what you did. Well, we'll see, Jinx we'll it. see. But um, he didn't. To be fair to him, he didn't cancel. He postponed, and he yeah. wanted to postpone like only by like two days, and that didn't suit me. And then he was like, "What about four days?" And he kept trying to come up with a date, and it's just that I'm really busy. So I'm hoping that it will still happen. Um. I continue to be texting the other guy that I'm interested in, but he is giving me such fucking mixed signals. I just, and we've had this conversation and I actually think this would be such a good thing to talk about in the pod at some stage, not today because we don't have time, but like the men in the King community and on the scene are so reserved about showing you that they're interested because they don't want to be pushy. Yeah, we and just, yeah. I like it and I respect it. And yes, we want to encourage that. But also, no, don't make me. I can't. I don't want to do like, anything. I, no, I, I'm a princess. No, no, it's so uncomfortable. So that's happening. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, Come on. And again, so that's I happening. Forgot. And that's a little bit frustrating. For- and then. So I had a really interesting message last week from somebody, right, from this guy on Fab. I've gone back on Fab. I never really left, but like I've I've gone back on Fab. Um, honestly, just to harvest content. But got a message from this guy and he was like, oh, it's great to see you back here. Um, something, something. I, don't, I can't even remember what he said, but he basically told me that he knows me from the real world. And I was yeah. like, normally when you get a message like that, you're like, uh, creep, block, run away, move house, change my name, the whole thing. But his picture was his face. And I was like, I fucking, I do know his face and it's a nice face. Right. And I kind of thought, oh, is this that guy that I met once in that person's house, whatever. And we got chatting and it turns out that he is like one of my friend's best friends um uh-huh. and we have been messaging for a couple of days he's super hot like super super hot you've seen a picture of him you're very keen he is sexy 
Yeah. And he's, he's actually even hotter in person. And the last time I met him, I was sure that there was like a flirty vibe, but then I was like, got back into my car. I was like, Sarah, stop thinking that every man who's remotely friendly to you wants to fuck you. Like, that's not cool. But he does. He did want to fuck me, which is so nice. He does. Yeah, no, he definitely does. The only problem with him, though, as you saw today, is, oh, man, his texting is dry. Oh, as fuck. Oh, so bad. Oh, my God. And I don't get I it because he's, like, full crack in person. I hate it when I find out that that's a thing that exists because in my head, I'm like... Uh, loads of times I'm like there's no such thing as a dry texture there's no such thing as a bad texture if you're into somebody you'll want to text them and you'll be like decent at texting and keeping in touch but then you when you see the proof you're like oh no there are there is such a thing as a dry as a bad texture and otherwise like hot and fun guys can be bad texters and that is depressing because uh, I can't be doing with it I can't I know it I makes you wonder it makes you wonder how many like great men have we thrown away over the years because they were dry as fuck and we didn't think it was possible for them to also be great like outside of texting. Anyway, yeah, but also we'll see if anything lies there. But also, if he's not a, a good texter, I'm kind of not interested. Like, I know that seems like really shallow and and like irrelevant but it's not relevant I'm sorry it's not relevant like if we can't have good text bands I'm not into no, it that's how I conduct the majority I would of my 100% business 100% agree with you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no I'm totally with you on that except that I know the guy and I have always fancied him and I know mm. that he's good crack in person right if this was somebody that I didn't know I'd be like gone um but I'm holding out for this. We'll see what happens. Um, it's a little bit of a messy one. I have a very strict rule generally that I don't shit where I eat. This would be mm-hmm. like shitting in my own mouth. It's so close to home. <laughs> um, Ew. It's very, it's very close to home. Uh, but like Jesus Christ, I need a ride. So, you know, logic and good sense out the window um and we'll see what happens but yeah that's the crack with me Fun. lots of men pursuing me none penetrating me oh well at least you have men pursuing you i don't um well it's not worth much will you do a best worst message i heard you had one i heard from you that you have one <laughs> you heard along the grapevine did you um, yes, I have quite a few of them, but I think this is the best one. And this is a series of messages. We love a series. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, fuck. I didn't even notice this before. His subject line is, I dare you. Ew. Okay. So, uh, and I'm just going to say all of these messages took place on the same day. Okay. First message. Okay. Says, First message says, that's some arse to watch shit, X. No. Uh, Wait. The next message says, degrade science. That's all that that what? says. The third message says, would it be humiliation 
to make you piss your knickers. The fourth message says, which one is that? I'm on all. Okay, don't know. (laughs) What? I don't know which one it is. Next message says, let's see how nasty you can be. Get your knickers disgusting, post them to me, and I'll video me, sniff them, lick them, clean, then wear them to work. Sorry, sorry, that's not me being disgusting. I am not the disgusting one in that scenario. No, 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 no. I'm not the one being fucking degraded there, let me tell you. No, no. The next no. one says, let's push limits, nasty limits, great minds, perverts attract. <laughs> then the- Can I just clarify, sorry, these are all just, this is a sequence of messages and you have not responded to any of them. No, not one. Not one. Amazing. Uh, second last message says, damn, you're hard to get, lol. <laughs> <laughs> like his best game his best game was not working on you he's like damn he's like if this isn't working then nothing will he's like how is this not working i'm so confused and then his final message says i'd settle for a high i'm sure you would oh he didn't get the one. end is kind of cute <laughs> i kind of like the i'd settle for a high i'll send no, him on you ruined you. it you can give him a high if you like I don't want to give him a high. I also don't want to give him my knickers clean or dirty. No. So that was, um, that was, um, that was a nice little best works message. And when I saw it come in, you know, when you get like that, like sixth sense of when a man's going to be fucking weird in a wonderful way, you know? Yeah. Did he have like, like a weird, oh, a weird profile picture or a weird name? Well, I didn't even, mm. I didn't even look uh let's see oh just had a sense okay that's interesting profile picture is tidy whities with a fairly big erection but it's like folded down no incorrect oh no i don't like that no it's it sort of looks like a sad boner um yeah uh, and his location is BBW Cork. <laughs> oh, the wait. little village of BBW in Cork. Wait, he's six foot three. I'm going to message him. <laughs> oh, you better message him. His tagline also says BBW lover. And we love a BBW lover. No, we don't. Um, okay, let's move on. Today we have a guest, don't we, Sarah? We do. We do. We've had lots of guests. Um, yes, we're so popular. We have had lots of guests. Well, we've had lots of guests. We've had one guest. Two oh, guests. Shit. Only... Three. This Who is our third guest. Okay. Blahin. Aoife. Oh, yes. And now, yeah, I the amazing, cool, and glamorous, Domina Clarity, our friend, professional dominatrix, and therapist couples counselor media mogul (laughs) you better introduce yourself because i didn't do any research on what you call yourself hi guys no it's okay i don't that was a great introduction i love it could have been done better (laughs) amazing um welcome thank you so much for coming on the pod 
Thank you. I've been looking forward to being on Pure Phil forever. I know. I can't believe you guys. I've never had you on before. Silly. Silly. I can't believe you live for um, nonsense. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I love it. I love talking shite. It's great. <laughs> nonsense it is. Um, no, but seeing as I completely fluffed it, tell me what you describe your job as, your your job as a dominatrix. Yep. So I say I'm a sex educator, professional dominatrix, and I host events and workshops, helping people improve their sex lives and their overall mental health. Amazing. Yeah. Woo. Um, and probably like in the media and certain like strains of media they get really head up on the dominatrix part but how do you think it actually shakes out like in terms of like a split are you mostly doing educating talking working with couples therapeutically yeah are you mostly beating beating people up for fun (laughs) well I do that so unlike a lot of other doms that are pros it's, in, it's my lifestyle as well, whereas there's a lot of pro-doms who would do it just purely for money and they wouldn't be particularly into it. It is a part of my lifestyle, has been for all of my adult life. So I do do that just for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, the people I work with kind of depends. It evolves over time. So recently it's been a lot of couples that I've been working with, a lot of couples with a lot of medical um, disabilities of various different kinds. Mm. Um, lesbians who've had hysterectomies, um, a lot of prostate cancer, a lot of uh, sexual assault trauma survivors, um, a lot of erectile dysfunction um, and premature ejaculation. Um, so I really just coincidentally without design, because I never, I don't advertise myself at all. So people find me through word of mouth or through, you know, whatever channel or whatever however they find me. Um, and I'm really selective about who I work with. So of, of, of 10, I might accept like one or even out of 20, I might accept one, one because I'm really busy. I have other businesses that I run. Mm-hmm. Um, but also because I want to work with people who I think I can really help and I, that are interesting to me to work with. Cause I've been doing this for such a long time. Like I definitely don't do it for the money. And oftentimes when clients can't afford to pay that I'll take trade and service in lieu of in lieu of funds um, amazing because i like to work with people so much yeah that's so exciting so yeah. um you mentioned that you were into the lifestyle any lifestyle anyway so how were you like first introduced to kink yeah so i talk about this pretty openly but i was sexually assaulted as a teenager and i'm very old so this was in the early days of the internet and i was going to therapy was trying to reconcile myself back to a sex life, which I knew was really important. I come from a sex positive family. My name was actually Clarity. My mom is big pot smoking hippie. Um, so I knew it was important, but I was having a hard time reconciling myself back to it. And then I found in the early days of the internet, like I think it was this is before alt.com. This is before collar space. This is before all of the OG way before fat life. Um, these online forums where they talked about safe saying consensual consent, you know, and communication and community. And I was like, Jesus, these words are like exactly what's missing from my sex life, which was, you know, the vanilla, vanilla dating that I'd been doing. And so I kind of stumbled into it through that. Then when I went to uni, my partner, he was a big old sub. And from there I started to get into the lifestyle. I apprenticed under a pro dom, a fairly famous pro dom in LA and then a daddy dom, um, leather daddy, gay leather daddy, 
for a couple of years and learn the trade. And then probably about like, so I started when I was like, probably like 18 and I'm 38 now. So 20 years, more than half my life. Um, and I've taken breaks from at different times for different reasons, but generally pretty much nonstop during that time. And so I started to pro probably seven years after I started, but it was a lot of studying and apprenticing. I started off as a switch. I very quickly realized I'm a terrible bottom <laughs> and I don't like it very much. So I basically went to topping and I found that to be really therapeutic and healing because you change the narrative, right? So in the story that had actually happened to me in my assault, I was victimized and physically overpowered. And then I got to change that narrative. And I found in tandem with all the other self-work I was doing, it was really therapeutic and healing. And then I found it to be the same when I worked with other people. And I was like, Oh, I can do this. Like I can help other people in a way that like, I'm not a, I'm not a medical professional and I'm not a doctor and I am the biggest advocate of mental health care in the world. But in, there are lots of things that say a therapist can't do with you that a dom or somebody else who's trained in practice. So I used to work with therapists like in sexual surrogacy pro, uh, programs in LA and then in other parts of the United States and elsewhere in the world where I'd work with people and do kind of cognitive behavioral decoupling. So like if people were sexually assaulted, like say in a locker room, I would go with a woman who had been sexually assaulted and we would de-trigger that experience or that space for her. Mm. And that's something that a therapist cannot legally do. Um, and that's where like people like me would step in. And I found it really helpful, like invigorating to help people that way. So you mentioned sexual surrogacy. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Yeah. Sexual surrogacy is a practice in the United States and some of the other Nordic and Scandinavian countries so far. And sexual surrogacy is basically people who work in tandem with mental health and medical practitioners to do exactly the things that they can't do. So, um, like I said, decouple people who have had sexual assault and work on a cognitive behavioral therapy program that actually puts them into the environment and uses physical touch and kink in some cases and in some other cases, actual sex. So in essence, they're the hybrid between sex workers and therapists and they work under the supervision of therapists or mental health practitioners. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I suppose I, I guess being um, from the US kind of gave you more access to that kind of industry because I would imagine that that's not something that's very developed here in little old Ireland. <laughs> no, I wish. I think I think in 20 years it will be globally much more popular. So really as US, I think um, parts of the UK, they're starting to develop some programs there. Uh, Netherlands, and Scandinavian countries have sexual surrogacy training programs because you have to be certified, obviously, um, for safety reasons and for lots of good, lots of great reasons. So they have certification courses uh, in the United States, and then they're starting to get more and more in Europe. And I hope it takes off because it, it, there's really a gap when you talk about sexual dysfunction and, and and therapy, and as far as how far mental health practitioners can go and where sex workers can go, but you know, aren't necessarily trained to do. So if you put them together to make a super team, I thought. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. So it really kind of sounds like it was a natural evolution for you between like coming into the lifestyle and mm -hmm. then moving into sort of the pro-dom space and kind of coupling that with your interest in mental health and, and helping people therapeutically. Yeah. And it's just great crack too. I mean, I've always enjoyed it. I, I never did it as a primary income source because anything you do, for money becomes a job eventually. And I never wanted to suck the joy out of it. <laughs> yeah. 
So true. So true. Um, you kind of mentioned that a lot of the um, the subs that you play with, um, you do that mostly kind of because it's something you enjoy and it's not just, you know, an income stream for you. But I think when people think about a dominatrix, that's like the number one thing that they think about. Do you think that you're unusual in that regard? Or do you think this is sort of like a little understood side of pro-doms and I guess sex workers in general that they do provide a lot of like care and interpersonal stuff to their their to their clients yeah I think you know like I said I think it goes twofold I'm, I'm I haven't met many in Ireland or since I moved to Europe about seven years ago I haven't met many pro-doms here in general um, and the ones I have tend to be purely financially motivated, mm-hmm. um, which is fine, but that's just different. Um, in the States, there were a lot of uh, sex workers that I worked with that really like got the joy from helping people and helping them break through and enact fantasies and break and destigmatize and de-shame um, themselves from their fantasies. And I, they got a lot of enrichment from that. So I think it's, I think it would be the minority case that I've met so far, but that's just anecdotal. I couldn't really yeah. tell. Yeah. You kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but like, what is like the demographic of people that you work with, Clarity? I know, you, you know, and how does that shake out between like the therapeutic side and the, and the, the pro-dom side? Yeah. So it's all over the, it's all over the map. Um as old as in 60s, 70s, as young as late teens, like 1920, in some cases. Um, so, uh, so socioeconomically all over the map, professionally all over the map, circumstantially all over the map. Um, there's really, there's no, um, <laughs> there's no trend. So there's far. no trend. So it's <laughs> all different genders and couples and single people and yeah. So when I work with women, that's great. That's a great question, actually. So when I work with women, it tends to be more in instructional capacity. So it tends to be more teaching technique or how to, so how to top, how to top from the bottom, how to become a power bottom, how to peg, how to work with uh, premature ejaculation, how to like work with their partner in essence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that tends to be the majority of the work I do, unfortunately, which I'd love to do more. I love playing with women, um, but I don't get to uh, professionally do many sessions with women alone. Um, it's mostly if they're going to be singletons, it'll be usually men or trans or gender. Um, Clarity, I would love to know more about, um, this, like, I don't want to derail the conversation, but, um, this has kind of come up a few times in the podcast. We actually talked about it very briefly with Aoife last time. Um, and I would love to hear your thoughts on, what exactly topping from the bottom or power bottoming is? Yeah, that's a great question. So if you look at, you know, if you looked at um, a gender spectrum and it's like male, female, then masculine, femme, then gay, straight. And if you mapped it, like if one's on one side of the spectrum, if you had a, a room full of 10 people and had them all plot their lines as to where they are and how they orient, it'd be all over the shop. It's the same kind of thing with kink. So there's tops and bottoms, doms, and subs, masochists, and sadists. 
and you can be all over that map. So for example, if you, uh, so top and bottom is literally, I use the baseball analogy, American sport of baseball analogy. If you're a pitcher, you're the top. If you're the catcher, you're the bottom. And it's literally mm-hmm. just about action. Who's doing the giving, who's doing the receiving. When you talk about dominant and submissive, it is a power dynamic. Who has control? Mm-hmm. Who is steering what is happening? And then sadists and masochists, sadists enjoy inflicting pain. Masochists enjoy it being inflicted on them. And so, for example, I'm not a sadist, but I would be a top and a dominant. So if you watch and if you watch gay porn ever, and this is really, really, really common trope. It's so common in gay porn. It's hard to find gay porn where they don't have this dynamic, <laughs> um, which is to say that, like, if you find, you know, one guy is fucking another in the ass and he's a, and the one who is receiving is by definition the bottom. Yeah. However, oftentimes you'll see this in gay porn. Where it's like, is that all you got? You can't fuck me harder, you little bitch. And that is a power bottom. That is literally the textbook definition. It is the bottom is by definition receiving, but the, but they have control. So they are the dominant, but also the bottom and you can bottom, uh, you can, uh, what is it? Top from the bottom. There's actually a whole workshop that I used to do is how to top from the bottom, which is basically how to steer dumb. So this would be for brats. This would be for submissives who are trying to experiment and get into more of a switch space where they alternate between top and bottom or dominant and submissive. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a fun way to play with power dynamics. And I always encourage people, whatever their relationship dynamics are or whatever their, you know, sexual status is or whatever their preferences are to mix it up in this way. Cause power is really, what is it that all of Oscar Wilde quote, like everything in the life is about sex except for sex. Sex is about power. Yeah. Yeah. So true. <laughs> That's so interesting to hear you talk about it in that way. And to, to say like you have a workshop on it because within like the kink community, especially among dominance and male dominance in particular, or cishet dominance in particular, mm-hmm. um, cishet male dominance. How many more, how many more adjectives can I add? Um, <laughs> Popping from the bottom is very frowned upon. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like the way you describe it there is like it's something to be not necessarily incur. I'm not saying you're telling all bottoms that they should be topping from the bottom, but like it's something that you encourage people to embrace if they want to. That's how it sounds mm-hmm. to me. Whereas my only frame of reference for topping from the bottom before this conversation has been like, don't top from the bottom. It's unethical and you're breaking all the codes of the universe. No, all of the serious kink rules you are breaking them <laughs> so, like i gotta tell you guys like in my personal life and not not for money not for fee but like the people i play with personally most of the the, the men that i top are self-identified dominance wow and most like 90 something percent of the ones that i play with in my personal life and the reason why is because everybody wants a break sometime and it's so thrilling but there's also lots of acts for example pegging which is they they don't want to be dominated they're not masochists at all but they really 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 want to be pegged because it feels awesome Uh like that's a really common experience and i think when people get too caught up into roles and like you shouldn't thou shalt not because i'm mistress master domly dom like it's stupid like who cares you're like you're why would you deprive yourself pleasure that's silly yeah Something that I often say as well is that any dominant who genuinely thinks that their sub is not in control at all times is delusional. 
Oh, so true. Like subs absolutely have all the power. Like if, if you power. if you are truly ethically playing in a fully mm-hmm. consensual space yes. Yes. and the sub is the bottom, then the bottom has all the control because they can stop the scene at any time. Yeah. 100%. They actually have more control than the dominant, no matter what happens. Yep. And that's, oh, okay. that is risk aware, consensual kink. That's continuous, enthusiastic, informed consent. You know, that's, that's absolutely the way I think everybody should play. And it's, yeah. it's the power position. So you are in essence topping from the bottom. Topping from the bottom all the time. Exactly. Um, personally, I like to bottom from the top, which means <laughs> that I, um, this is the service time, I'm just, I'm just at the top all the time in every aspect, but sometimes <laughs> I just want to lie there. Thanks. <laughs> Excellent. I'm well, the, service, the service top would be the opposite of the power bottom, right? So the power bottom is that that dynamic I explained in gay porn. Uh, the the service top is somebody who will do the topping, in other words, do the action, do the giving, but they're doing it because the dominant or the one with the power tells them to do so. Mm-hmm. And so it's just the opposite dynamic, and I that I've seen that quite often go well, where people realize, oh, actually, maybe I am a switch. It's just through service topping. Yeah, um, but I think the one of the things that kills me about the scene and, and in general dating or playing within it is that people get caught up in these roles, and it's like don't let it's a word. It's just a word to describe to help people better identify if your interests and theirs are aligned. It does not define you as a human. It does not mean that if you take it like to take it in the ass because pegging feels great that you're any less dominant or whatever. Yeah. And in those kinds of scenarios, I'd be service chopping and I'm, it's, I'm delighted to do it. And it's a really healing experience for them because they're like, wow, this really builds up the empathy. And most of the great doms I know, irrespective of gender or sexual orientation, are, have never done un- to others, which they haven't had done unto themselves. Yes. So we would, for example, all the toys I ever have is, are used on me before I use them on other people. Mm-hmm. 100% of the time. And all the, the great doms I know, irrespective of whatever their orientation is, they, they have the same mentality and they do the same thing. So I've topped so many doms for this reason, for this purpose. Hey, new toy, crack it on me. Let's see yeah. how it goes. That's so interesting. And you touched on a little bit before um, and you mentioned sort of about like fellow sex workers. So um, obviously you do consider yourself a sex worker. I do. I used to not. I used to get very uppity and I was like, I do not have sex with people for money. That is what hookers do. And and I realized that um, there's a hierarchy. I don't know if you've heard about it. Uh-huh. It's really, a, you know, it's kind of like Maslow's pyramid. But basically the further removed you are. So at the bottom of it would be like street street workers. Yeah. And at the top of it would be like cam girls or, you know, so the further removed, basically they don't have to have contact or only fans, whatever. Mm. Uh, femdoms tend to be towards the upper rings. Um, and, you know, bra- uh, hookers are worth with pimps or brothels would be towards the lower rings. And I just realized that by disassociating myself from the term sex worker, it was not acknowledged. It was, it was, um, it was elitist and I was distancing myself from my fellow sisters who were all in the same boat together. So I've recently embraced the term, even though I don't have sex with people for money. I do lots of other weird kinky things, but (laughs) (laughs) it's really just a spectrum of continuation and a nuance that is immaterial and meaningless really. So yes, that is true. Um, And how do you find that, 
like how how do you find attitudes towards sex work and sex workers in Ireland versus Europe versus the US um because I know you have you know you spend time on the continent you spend time here and obviously you're from the US Yes, I also lived in Asia and Africa, the Middle East, and oh, so wow. I've traveled a lot. You've been all over. I was in different country coats. Yeah. So I. Uh, but hang on, I, Ireland's your favorite, right? Absolutely. Okay. Oh my god, category. citizenship in Ireland right now. Actually, that's how that's how hardcore I am. Oh my god, that's so exciting! Yay! So be, I will be officially a Fenian, just like the rest of you. Amazing. Um, so. So, uh, America is funny, uh, higher end of the hierarchy, cam girls, whatever, super cool, super fun, super common, not stigmatized at all on the lower end, really much more stigmatized than in Europe. So Europe has a much better infrastructure. Um, so they've decriminalized sex work in essence. So you can't have a brothel and you can't have a pimp, but if you are procuring your own services to other people it is not illegal you're allowed to do that in your own residence as long as there are no more than i think it's like five women cohabitating that are unrelated in that residence because if it's more than five women it's all of a sudden a brothel and which is funny because we have laws like that in the united states but like every sorority house that every university has is by oh my definition a brothel because all the sisters are living together wow yeah sidebar so i think on the on one side america is really cool on the higher end but it's very it's very uh, elitist and i don't like that um in europe it's a lot better however ireland is still behind um like the rest of europe and america especially when it comes to rights uh and uh and visibility i guess around sex workers rights and the the fact of how common it is however you know irish people they're so great they're such great crack and they're they tend to be generally non-judgmental so i think that works in general and um yeah i think ireland's doing probably it probably has a healthier relationship with sex work than america does i'm really surprised by that i'm really surprised by that because i've heard you mention a few times like in various I don't know, like TV programs or whatever, whatever you were talking on about how, mm. like, you have seen the impact of the Catholic Church in Ireland on people's sexuality. Mm. Um, yeah. And I, like, I've only lived in Ireland, so I, I don't really have much to compare. But, like, I mm. would have assumed that people in Ireland were extraordinarily judgmental of sex workers. And, I, like you said, that definition is changing and there's a there's a big difference mm-hmm in the eyes of most people between some girl who does a bit of only fans in the evenings yeah. mm-hmm. and uh you know True. an eastern yeah. european girl who fucks for money in some dingy house in the middle of dundalk those yeah. two things are treated as completely different and sorry i don't mean that irish women never fuck for money that that was that was a poor choice of words um <laughs> but i i feel that like that second one where people are fucking for money is completely unacceptable to people in Ireland. Like, yeah, and I think I think I think it's changing. I think OnlyFans really did a huge like like rocket shipped the whole nar- the whole narrative and really changed it globally in a lot of ways. I think in Ireland when you, when I talk about like the Catholic hangover 
that like Irish Catholicism, by the way, is different than other types of Catholicism. So I've lived in and visited other Catholic countries before and Irish Catholicism is its own brand unto itself. Yeah. Because of the, it really is. And I'm not even kidding because its own hegemony, because of the hegemony and the, basically it was a theocracy here, right? There was yeah. the government and church were one and the same. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. One, one and the same. So we're, I love, I love how you're saying were. <laughs> were. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. Still trying to get on the late late show. Give it give, one of these days. RT is going to give it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll come in after the Angelus. Good luck. Oh my god, you should be on the Angelus. Like well, you, you'll be like you'll be like in the middle of a scene with some guy, and the Angelus bells will go, and you'll both just stop <laughs> and look off into the distance and <laughs> look up into the right. That's what off. I want my TV license that I don't have paying for. I can actually <laughs> see that. I can see you in like a nun's habit. Oh, I have one, actually, no shit. I have a bunch of religious um, outfits, cosplay kind of. Well, I'm, so, <laughs> of nuns. I'm so into this. I'm so love into it. this. Um, sorry no that is so interesting that and and we have the we uh we have what i think what i would refer to as the swedish model here as well like sex work Mm -hmm. is decriminalized yes yes yeah um but i guess uh still sex workers especially um street workers and and full service sex workers as as um i understand they can sometimes be called, i.e., um, sex workers who do, you know, have intercourse with their clients. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's decriminalized, they they obviously still face a lot of like barriers and, um, you know, prejudice, and they probably don't have a lot of like support, and they don't have access to the same. To, to the criminal justice system in the same way that that you know your standard everyday person um might do so um i think that's one of the big criticisms of the of the decriminalization model is that it puts um sex workers into the sort of no man's land where yeah they're not being criminalized but they're also not actually being validated as like a sex work is not being validated as work yeah i mean i don't even want to go down this rabbit hole because it's it's um as you guys are well aware, like sexual violence against women, uh, STI, et cetera, in sex work is obviously proportionally higher, although not much proportionally higher than you would think it would be than the general population. But also Ireland has a really high STI rates and really? uh, fairly high. Yeah. Yeah. It's the fastest proportion. It's the largest proportionally anywhere in Europe. For wow. sake, lads. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's all the crotch rot. Thank you, Catholic Church. Condoms were illegal until 1989, lads. Like, it's not everybody's fault. Yeah, people <laughs> only used them for a few years, and then they were like, these are crap. <laughs> Pull out in prayer. That works for me. Forget about it. <laughs> so, I I mean, but the fact of the matter is, if you look at, like, the no man's land, like, and I totally agree with you, Mitch. It's, this, it's exactly that, where you go into the space where nobody can really help you. But that's where agencies like Sex Workers Alliance Ireland and a few other groups are starting to really make some headway. And yeah. uh, I'm optimistic. I, I, I think it's it, there's definite room for improvement, but I think it's starting to move in that direction. Yeah. Here as well as other countries, too. Just, I guess, bringing it back to kink as well. Um, it's interesting that you said, you know, about like the likes of OnlyFans to sort of open the door and change people's um, viewpoints on it. Mm-hmm. I personally find the kink community in Ireland to be extremely 
um horophobic and sex mm. work negative yeah. Yeah. like it is yes. very frowned upon funnily enough right it's not frowned upon for girls and women yeah. who are on the scene to be doing it <laughs> as long as they are not expecting anybody on the scene to actually procure their services or implying that they should procure them in any way there's this real entitlement to oh well like you can do that if you want but you know i'm not paying for it because i'm yeah. here or also you know you can do that if you if you want but um that means you're not like that's not genuine kink like that's just pretend that's just like you're putting on a show oh but like look i love the kink community right love it it's great kink's great whatever 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 they're a pack of fucking snobs yeah yeah like and not all obviously you know we're super sound and we're yeah we're the best one. but there is definitely an element of pretentious snobbery in the community mm. in general which is i think the case in all communities like you know even not to bring everything back to dogs but in the dog sport world there's an unbelievably amount of snobbery and pretension and um gatekeeping and you you know you're not good enough for us and you don't fit this mold whatever it's the same in kink yeah i think though this is a very particular brand of of uh sort of prejudice and hostility that is very specific to sex workers and and cam girls and and pros in general because you see the exact same attitudes on the likes of fab swingers like they yes. will not tolerate they will not tolerate any sort of anyone who is doing any of that kind of work at all they are allergic to it there are people on there who will hunt people down and report them just to get them off the site because yep. they're so mortally offended at the concept of usually a woman a woman capitalizing on her sexuality her sex appeal um and all of that that they just they can't tolerate it and it's wild to me for what is supposed to be a sexually liberated community that they hold such horophobic attitudes it's crazy Clary, have you have you experienced a lot of that yeah so it's funny you say it like every year and i totally agree with you every community eventually becomes bougie and like elitist and the us versus mm. them it's interesting though if you look at kink and the history with sex work so prior to fet life fet life was created by a lovely couple in canada um in victoria which is or vancouver sorry which is like the highest percentage of kink part practicing individuals in the world per population oh my god wow filthy canadians yeah, and that's where Fat Life was born. But before that, it was alts.com and Caller Me, which became Caller Space. And they would allow escorts and other sex workers to advertise on those platforms. Mm -hmm. And those platforms turned into dumpster fires, basically. Yeah. If you could imagine, you know, how Pornhub is with all the ads everywhere popping in your face all the time. And those sites really... Um, stopped that so for example i use fetlife i never advertise my services on fetlife at all yeah um i never i never advertise my services anywhere period i actually we were talking about this earlier but i got kicked off of fab swingers so dominant clarity is on fab swingers no more oh i was uh, accused of soliciting which of course i never do but i was pr probably promoting like you know radio interview or something it's like hey check me out on classic hits fm or whatever <laughs> and somebody was like or <laughs> you know hit the horn button and uh, 
banned permanently. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably like the, as close. I just have this image. Like, I have this image of, you know, that game whack-a-mole. Where there's like, yeah. somebody on Top Swingers <laughs> is like, a whore, whack it. <laughs> exactly. Down with that sort of thing. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I that's as much as I've experienced in there. Too, but I'm also like, uh, you know, you guys know me, I'm very chatty. I'm very involved in the community. I'm very involved in things. People know me and I'm really accessible to talk to people. So I, I don't think I've personally experienced it as much, but I have definitely seen it. And I can understand partially, like part of me empathizes a bit because like just much like we don't want FetLife to turn into a dumpster fire of like, take these pills, make your penis three times bigger. And you're like, yeah. oh, I don't want to do that. Thing. It's just Mistress Fantasia. She will ruin your life and kill mm. your dreams for 99 a session, you know, and all of that. And that's, that's in essence what those other websites became. Um, and I, I think that there's, there's kind of this fine line between, you know, being a real person. I think that, I think the antidote for that is being a real person and treating other people like real people, which is, Diff, uh, harder to do when you're behind the safety, as you guys know, what a dumpster fire uh, set life can turn into because people are behind the safety of their mm-hmm. keyboards. But I think when people get out, and that's why I'm such a big advocate of going to events. Ireland also, P.S., I've been to Munches in um, 18 or 20-something different countries. And Ireland is the only country that does pre-meet and groups before them. So it's just a testament to how slightly different and and more conservative or conscientious the like the Irish kings. That's is really surprising. To yeah, they're the only ones. And do you think that um is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think for people's peace of mind, I think it's I think it's nice because it allows newbies like, you know, the the soft entry and I think that's really a um kind and gentle way to bring people into the fold versus like sink or swim baby you know um on the other hand this is a this is a champagne problem but for people like oldies like me who've been around like longer than dirt <laughs> i'm like i don't you don't need to explain to me how how not to be a douchebag yeah <laughs> what consent is like just let me yeah. in there you're the Guinness calling me. Please let me in the pub. you know um but i i think it is actually generally good thing. um I have a question for you, Clardy. Uh, on the topic of the community in general, um, I know that when you recently did your show with Lucy Kennedy, there was a little bit of backlash um, on Fat Life oh, yeah. that to me oh, yeah. seemed very like gatekeepery. Like I feel like there is an element in the community um, that really wants to keep people out and doesn't want to mm. see the community grow. Um, and I would love to hear your thoughts on whether I'm right or I'm talking shit and, and why you think that might be. Yeah. So when the TV show came out and there's been a couple of TV shows I've done with Virgin lately and another one I'm working on. And um, when the first show came out, I was doing a bunch of radio stuff to promote it. And one of the questions was how do people get like the, one of the biggest questions I'm actually going to make a TikTok-y video about this is how to get involved in the scene, which is, of course, create a fat life or fab profile, network, go to munches, meet people, start to do research and read the forums and see what people in the community are about and get it, you know, it's a great way to dip a toe in. And fetlife.com is the world's largest. I think there's something like 127 million members globally. It is the world's largest lifestyle <laughs> site. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Um, so 
it, it's kind of like the equivalent of me saying, hey, if you want to make friends, go to Facebook.com. And yeah, it's <laughs> like, if you want to look something up, there's this website. It's G-O-O-D-L-E. <laughs> that is such a dig at me. That was such a dig at yeah. me. Fuck off. What? No, it's not a dig at you. I'm saying, you know, uh, uh, exactly what Clarity is saying, which is, it's not a secret. Like, fat life's not a secret. Yeah, if you Google it, I mean, if you Google fat fetish community, it'll it'll be on the first page of every Google search, no yeah. matter what you do. So, but a few people started freaking out, changing their fa- their profile photos from their faces, changing their ages to, you know, 99 or whatever, and changing their location from Ireland a to lot Antarctica. Of people, a lot of people moved to Antarctica really quickly. I was like, fuck. <laughs> There's a weird amount of 99-year-olds. I know. Very (laughs) aged population there. And Vatican City is another another favorite for high Yeah, 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 exactly. So there's a huge exodus of that, but I got some trolling from there. And then on Snapchat and some of the other platforms, I got some actual death threats, um, which is how dare you out us, um, you fucking whore, you know, blah, 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 usual stuff. And I'm pretty, I'm really quite thick skinned for all of that. But, uh, but there were, was one or two that were quite persistent. And, you know, I felt guilty because of course outing people is the last thing I ever want to do. It's the, it's the opposite of what I'm here to do, which is spread light and love and elevate the conversation. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. You know, let's change the narrative and get more of the merrier. Um, and I, I do think there was a bit of gatekeeping in the sense that I think what it was is more paranoia, which is that people were feeling like my auntie Mara is going to get on there and find my, <laughs> find my schlong photo yeah. <laughs> in county fill in the blank. And, and then I'll be totally outed and I'll be embarrassed. And I think that was probably really the motivation behind it. Um, but you know, I, again, outing people <laughs> the last thing I'd ever do yeah Um, the weird thing about that though is that like like do people actually think that their photographs of the internet are private yeah I was gonna say something kind of similar to that like I I saw a lot of people being like oh she's invited journalists on to FetLife and like let her know that we're here How stupid do you think a journalist is that they can't type fetish community into Google and find fat life and make profiles? Yeah, like like, no offense, Clarity, but they don't need you for that bit. (laughs) (laughs) They don't need you to be like, it's HTTP, for so first try you don't know Chrome. No, like they're already doing that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I just find that absolutely hilarious. Um, And I think it really speaks to the naivety um, Mm -hmm. of certain people on the scene who think that what they're doing is secret and private when it is not like if you're worried that your auntie mary is going to see your photos on fat life auntie mary can see your photos on fat life any day of the week mm-hmm. all she has to do is join fat life and see your photos like and that could happen for any reason not just because somebody on television mentioned that fat life exists and there are people in ireland who are on it i mm. think it also speaks yeah. to um the shame though that I think a lot yeah. of people still carry and like I'm not gonna lie like I'm lucky right I don't have a really I'm lucky I don't have a relationship with any of my family anymore um <laughs> lucky you yeah. but, um but it, there is a freedom in that right where I'm like well fuck it like you know like what's gonna happen um but previously like I do understand like nobody wants their fucking auntie Mary to find that picture but at the end of the day, no. what is she going to find a picture of? A, per, an, a grown adult who enjoys sex? 
you know but I feel like people yeah. feel that fear is so intense and that thing of like oh my god my whole life will be over everybody would know yeah. I would they would I would be outed um that clearly fucking terrifies people and I, I think that's sad well, it's understandable what? I'm not I'm not criticizing it it's totally understandable but I think it's sad it is sad but again I also think that that is do you think that that's a bit of a naive view like it's your responsibility to curate your own online presence and if there is something on FetLife that could genuinely ruin your life if someone were to come across it it shouldn't be up there because anybody could come across it at any time for any reason like I have you know I have my face on FetLife I it's friends only but I have it up there it's pretty easy to figure out who I am in IRL from my FetLife profile because you know I've spoken about the podcast on there different things like that but um you know the worst that could happen to me is I would have to have an awkward conversation with a family member like I'll get over that but um so it does kind of make me roll my eyes a little bit when people are like oh some of us work with you know vulnerable people or you know some of us have kids and la la la. it's like okay well then that's on you to make sure that what you're doing online doesn't jeopardize that Mm -hmm. not on everybody else to keep your secret life i agree i agree um and again like with the kids thing like i have a kid like what am i doing wrong like the the government's not going to take her off me because i like riding no no. like that's not (laughs) a thing they don't they don't get to do that like you know, um, I just, I think, I think it's a pity. I think it's a pity that people feel so driven to hide that part of themselves. I do understand it, but I think that it's, it's a kind of a reflection of the fact that like, yeah, we've come a really long way, but we still have a really fucking long way to go when people are freaking out about the prospect of Auntie Mary seeing a picture of their fucking dick. Yeah. Or, or even just, you know, uh, you know your your friendly neighborhood pro dom talking about kink and, and talking about fat life on tv which as you say clarity like you know sunlight's the best disinfectant like this is how we change attitudes towards um fat kink and, and fetish and things is by bringing it into the light but i think can i just follow That's- that up with um i realized that poor clarity is getting to speak very little on this episode which is all about oh, clarity we're, we're <laughs> um but uh, that whole thing that happened reminded me of um, uh, Rory O'Neill's biography, right? And he was talking about how in the 80s, the gay scene, like the gay club scene was still very much underground. And then in the 90s, it kind of like came to light and it got more embraced by society and the events weren't so hidden and so exclusive. And he talked about how part of him hated that because part of him really enjoyed the fact that the scene was underground and was this kind of dirty little secret. And he didn't, part of him didn't like that it was becoming more acceptable. Um, and like he had freely admitted in the book, like that was dumb and obviously it's fucking great, but part of him didn't like it. And I think that there's an element of that in the community for sure, where I think a lot of people maybe like, subconsciously maybe they're not even aware of this but they enjoy their like the fact that they're like they're so edgy because they go to these and like I kind of do too I'm not judging them you know I'm not like that I'm not judging but I think that is part of it where people don't want the scene to become too accessible 
Yeah. And I think the thing about it is if you look at the statistics, most people who practice kink practice privately globally. So yeah. only, only 10% of people who are actually into kink will be into the scene ever of any respective of how mainstream acceptable mm-hmm. it is or not. Um, and so the biggest motivation for me to do what I do is not, is not to self-aggrandize. And I think Sarah, you and I had this conversation previously, like I'm a terrible spokesperson for the Irish scene. I'm not Irish. I mean, I really want that to That makes be. it sound as if I said to you, Clarity, you're a terrible spokesperson. No, I said you're not you. I fucking said Irish. You Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yank. Yeah, no, I, I'm a terrible spokesperson for the scene, but the fact of the matter is I am the one who's talking about it. And that's my biggest motivation is there was a study in the United States, sidebar, but I swear this is relevant. Um, gay marriage, the gay marriage referendum, which happened in America after Ireland, um, happened be- and, the, and the public opinion over the course of 20 years changed dramatically from like something like an 18% approval to 87% approval rating in, in 20 years, which is a, the most monumental shift. Like if you put getting contentious subjects in the United States, gun control, immigration, abortion, blah, 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 you know, you'll never see the, the statistics yeah. move like that. And the reason why is because every single person knew somebody yeah. gay. Somebody in their family, some auntie, some uncle, some nephew, some cousin, some coworker, some colleague. And I think that, and it was through constant exposure in the media, destigmatization, normal people, average people talking about it openly and candidly. And that is always my biggest motivation is in talking about these things and talking about them very publicly is because I want the people who are still in a shame spiral feeling, you know, like a total freak because they want to sniff their girlfriend's feet and they are not into it or whatever, you know, fill in the blank kink. And I want those people to feel normal. I want to reach out to them because I think as a child, I've always been a geek. I've been, I was an early bloomer and I always felt like such a weirdo until I fully embraced it and leaned into it and let my freak flag fly. And I, I, I hope by doing so other people can feel feel free to do so themselves. That's always my, that's my only I motivation. But you're definitely helping with that. I'm sure like I would love to be a fly on the wall in somebody's car when they're listening to you on the radio and they're like, oh, this is a thing. This is a thing. It's not just me. This yeah. is a thing. You know, I would like, that's exciting to think that you're bringing that to people and opening up the world for them. So like, it's not, yeah. it's not easy when I you think- do, and you do get a little bit of shit for it. I'm sure you get a lot of shit for a time. So um, well done for sticking with it to help those people. Namaste. Thank you. I mean, generally it's positive feedback because Irish people are fab and super supportive. And I had no idea. And after every time I get on the radio, do, you know, do an interview or whatever, or a podcast, it, I get lots of feedback through various different social media channels. And it's always like, I have always felt like a, such a fucking oh. friend. Thank you for making me not feel alone. And I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah, that's lovely. Warm fuzzies. That was going to be my next question, which was like, you've done tons of media lately. You've done um, Lucy Investigates, as we talked about. You're on Eating with the Enemy. I think I saw on your page you're, you were on with Sean Moncrief. Moncrief, a couple you've times. You've done yeah. the Sex Ed Show with um, Jenny Keane. Yes. You've done loads. Um, no pun intended. And um, <laughs> I got some loads. Yeah. Has the, like, what has the public response been like? I know you've said it's kind of been mostly universally positive, but do you, do you find that people 
Do you get more of a, wow, like, oh my God, I had no idea. Or do you get a lot of, oh, I'm like, I'm into this too. And I've never told anybody like, but you know, I'm so glad that you're talking about it kind of thing. Yeah. The latter. So I'm like very out and proud. Like my family, like I'm taking my mom to dungeon clubs. She thinks it's hysterical. Like I, like my I'm so out. I couldn't, like, it's harder to be out than myself, but actually when I, so I own a technology consulting company. I do mergers and acquisitions for big companies. That's my, that's my big girl day job. <laughs> and, and uh, the corporate soul sucking job that I do for money. And uh, so that I can do all the other jobs for fun. And I, you know, I, I, ta- I talk to everybody about what I do and I'm very, 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 uh, you know, open and vocal about it, but I didn't, it didn't come up with my clients. Cause it's like, what did you do last week? Oh, I did nine holes of golf. What about you, Claire? And it's like, well, I flew to the UK and I went to torture gardens. When I packed three guns the- <laughs> yeah. And so it just doesn't come up and around the boardroom weirdly. And so when the show was coming out, I was like, you know, I really ought to, because uh, it's getting calls from like um, the times and the journal and the sun and different periodicals and I was like you know I haven't watched TV <laughs> in about 20 years or read a newspaper in like 20 years or listened to the radio in 20 years but I have a feeling that maybe more people in Ireland do than <laughs> than just than, and I should probably tell them so I talked to my to my boss and I basically was like hey just so you know and I basically gave the whole rundown and she was like that's the most badass thing I've ever fucking heard love that oh my god uh so she's a culture from uh Galway. Oh, that's why so, that's uh, why it's because she's yeah. the Galway ones. Yeah. yeah the Galwegians they're yeah, all the fucking animals are there mad, mad. you're a film <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's great that's brilliant um I have had like a little bit of a response like that as well in work because some of my colleagues not all and not hopefully none of my clients um know that um about the the podcast and some of them mm. have listened to it but it's all it's all the same it's all very like oh my god that's so cool like you're such a badass and blah 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 but um then sometimes I forget that I've told them and they'll just be like, they'll just be like, oh, I listen to the podcast, and I'm mouth. like, oh my god, no, <laughs> why? What did I say? Like sometimes I forget. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, buyer's remorse. Absolutely, buyer's remorse. Um, so that's great. You have had such like a positive um reaction. Since Irish people are fab, honestly. Yeah, we are. We are the best. Leonard, pure Clarity, my next question yeah. is, when are you going to start an event? Oh, thank you for asking. So I have been building for the last five years a multi-vendor marketplace, which is a fancy way of saying like an eBay or an Etsy for kink mm-hmm. gear. And that is launching now. I was supposed to launch last year, but my poor Russian, or excuse me, Ukrainian developers had to all of a sudden relocate oh, no. abruptly. Which slowed us down a lot, yeah. But um, anyways, we're launching now. It's called kinkify.me. Everybody says .ie. I need to buy that goddamn domain <laughs> before somebody. It's kinkify.me. Kinkify me makes a lot of sense. Kinkify yeah. me, yeah. And yeah. so as a part of kinkify me, so it's events. It would be like an event bright feature and then also a um, multi-vendor marketplace like an eBay or Etsy where we get different sellers that do bespoke like leather, yeah. latex, et cetera. And then just have it all in one place. Oh, that's um, cool. Uh, we yeah. need something like that so badly in Ireland. It's so hard to find yeah, those makers. I've been thinking about yes, this lately because I'd love to get like some like custom harnesses and stuff like that done. 
Um, because yeah. if you want to get anything for our body type, you're looking at fucking mm-hmm. Shein, where it's made by a five-year-old and the material is disgusting yes. and yes. it doesn't hold its shape and it looks cheap and nasty and it's the only fucking option available right now, which is really frustrating. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I wish too. It's like Burmese slave children. Yeah. Out these terrible pieces. Yeah. Yep. So that's the idea is basically to get all the vendors that do this bespoke work globally and put them all in this one place. Also, same thing as I'll sell all the tickets for all the events in one place. So, um, and then the the other part of Kinkify is Kinkify U, which is Kinkify University. Oh, is, um, so I'm launching my own new podcast called Kinkify U, taking the BS out of BDSM. And it'll be myself and mental health practitioners. And we are going to talk through the etiology, the origins and the psychology of each and every single kink oh and go into so the, exciting. the psychology, the medical definition, the history, and we're going to go balls deep into it. And I am really looking forward to that. So as a part of the launch, we usually was going to do with this at, for Kinkify university itself, which will be webinars. It'll be things like top from the bottom and all of those trainings will be available on the platform. Um, for you know streaming and people's consumption because again education is always where my heart's at so as a part of the launch for kingify university we were going to do it in november but we actually pushed it to february before valentine's day for scheduling reasons of some of the marquee acts but basically i'm taking over the rds and we're trying to get a three thousand person workshop going during the day so it'll be from 2 p.m to 2 a.m and during the day, it'll be workshops from anything from kink to swing to safe sex to how to talk to your children oh, about this sex. sounds amazing. Oh, my God. This sounds amazing. Different breakout rooms. Yeah. And then during the afternoon, it'll be acts. It'll be comedy. Uh, it'll be comedy. Uh, a live profile oh podcast. Exactly like there's a podcast panel of like mental health practitioners, panel of sex educators, like my homegirl Jenny and so forth. Wow. And then in the evening will be kind of like a little dance party, like a <gasps> mini Nivnav, I shouldn't say Nivnav, but like, like a mini that, and it'll be like different. <laughs> a mini, it'll be like a mini Nivnav. It'll be yes. 10 times the size, but a mini <laughs> Yes, it'll be in the main, so it'll be in the main hall of the RDS, uh, and we're looking at February it's between February 3rd and February 10th. They're pick. They're getting back to me. I will Holy be shit. there. That sounds yeah. like it sounds like that sounds unreal. Con for Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Although the funny thing is, the RDS are like, you cannot put sex in the title. They're like, what? They're what? What do you want to call it? And I was like, the Sex Education Festival. And they're like, we can't have sex in the title. I was like, okay. So I think it was somebody at uh, the the munch that we read there, and it was like, upgrade your love life. Nice. And I was like, great. Upgrade your love life. Kinkify University. Nice. Upgrade your love life. Because I can't say kink or sex. Yeah. In the, in the title. But you can say Kinkify University presents. Uh, yeah. That'd be amazing. Amazing. So people will know you're not going to get people turning up and being like, oh, Much we want to do. Um, yeah. Well, actually, so we're going to do alternative speed dating. So there'll be an LGBT. There'll be a trans speed dating event. There'll be a Clarity, I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be good. I'm hoping to get about three thousand people. In now you only it. need to find two thousand nine hundred ninety-eight. Yeah, exactly. Because we're coming. So, clock's ticking. Yeah. So as soon as I get the dates confirmed, I'll throw it up on FET and all the usual places and start to uh, do it. But yeah, I'm getting looking to get some pretty significant acts in. Um, you too. Trying to insource it to Ireland as much as possible. 
Ed Sheeran. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you two and Ed Sheeran are going to be the vibe for this. I hope we're going to go a little bit we cooler. Have that I feel like Clardy's going to go cooler we than had that. that message. Sorry, we had that message before about Bono's Oh, wife. yeah. That was the guy that had just immediately um, removed his penis from Bono's wife's pussy and then messaged you. The yeah. man messaged me, yeah. His dick was still wet. That's what he was like. Yeah. It's just like a first worst. It was a best worst message. Yeah. It was a guy who was basically like, oh, I'm a bull for. Uh, for uh, for men and um for women who want to you know degrade their their beta husbands and uh, he was like i've recently fucked bono's wife and i was like wow rude (laughs) i could see that rude of you to to call bono a beta husband but okay (laughs) i could see that but i I feel like yeah i mean if if bono does go down that rate fair fucks to him there's a there's an ironclad nda involved in that Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that Bono doesn't enjoy cuckolding. I'm saying that that man who messaged me absolutely did not fuck yeah, Bono's wife. Because Bono's <laughs> probably finding his bulls elsewhere. Like he's probably not trolling Fab at two o'clock in the morning. Fab <laughs> fucking Fab swingers. Yeah. yeah, he's ferrying them in on private jets. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, that is so <laughs> exciting about your um. About the event. Oh wow! I can't wait. It really does. I was. I. Yeah. I was not. I didn't know about that when I asked you. I thought you. I was going to be like, can you start like a new, like an Irish torture gardens or something? But this sounds better. <laughs> Do you, you know what? Honestly, I've been trying to buy a property and start up a ongoing dungeon in Dublin for the last four years. Wow! And it is yeah. too risky from a business perspective because the guards can change their mind at any time and shut the thing down. Wow. Um, it's because it operates in that gray space. Yeah. So I wow. wish at the <sighs> moment the laws change, I'll be on the, we need, we need a new event. <laughs> we yes. need a female run play event. Yes, we do. I have heard that. Um, there was a night called uh, burning bush before. Which right. was the Femdom um, event, and I believe that the organizers of that event are looking at bringing something similar back. So they are, they are, and it'll be a female-only play event. So I've been to a few of them in the past, and they're great. And the team that's well, running are great. Good I'm fun. Sorry, I'm going to be real basic here. I need Dick. I'm not. I'll bring. Yeah. I'll bring oh. mine. I've got. So oh, many. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gobs of them. I will go just so that there won't be any men there because um, that's great. <laughs> like I'm straight, but I would like to not be bothered. I, I um, like touching girls. Clarity, you just propositioned me yeah. on the internet in front of Michelle. I'm now going to hold you to this. Hands. Hands of listeners. <laughs> the next time <laughs> I see you, I'm going to be like, touch me up. Touch me up. I have another question. Yes, Before ma'am. we wrap up, um, do you think the general public is like getting more kinky as time goes on, or are we just talking about it more? Or are we talking about it more, and therefore we're getting more kinky? Uh, that's a great question. I think it's both. Um, I think 
through so kink i'm gonna get nerdy here for a minute kink comes from lots of different places right culturation is one of the biggest and socialization is one of the biggest so for example women in northern hemisphere countries like women who have bigger tits men in southern hemisphere countries like women with bigger asses why because statistically and genetically women are more bottom heavy in southern hemisphere countries and more top heavy in northern hemisphere countries so what does it tell us is that we are we like what we are know and what we are exposed to. So the more exposure, the more people can see alternatives that were not available to them before, and the more they can experiment, and the more that so you'll see an expansion that way. And then I think also people have always been into kink, and like I did a giveaway over Christmas with Eden's Temple. Uh, toys and they gave me a, a nice little hamper basket to give away basically who could answer the question the best which is how long what was the first references to kink and the, the answer is kink has been around as long as human writing has been around so 10,000 whatever years goes back to Mesopotamia and even before that um in cave yeah, paintings really? so it's oh yeah it's like been what kind forever. of cave paintings I'll send, you, yeah. I'll send you some links actually there were some really cool Etruscans and some other ones, and then um, some reliefs, mosaics, etc., like all over throughout uh, globally, globally too. It's a global phenomenon. So um, it's yeah, been as around. As long as people have been ever. doing it, and they've been doing it weirdly. Yeah, they've been getting freaky. And the thing about it is, like, we think about ourselves in like this kind of prudish, recovering from a I don't know a post-Victorian kind of prudish hangover, but. Victorians yeah, were filthy. They were pure fucking. They filth. were yes, always they were. Like, like I remember. Um, I remember. Yes. I remember. I remember in the Victorian <laughs> time. Back in the day, I'm by far the youngest here. Can I just? You are. I was going to say, yeah, if you're Victorian, I remember I in one I of am. my past lives. Um. You know, when they used to have those, like, big house parties where, you know, they'd have, like, a big country estate and all these people would come for the whole, like, for the week and they'd go shooting and whatever. They'd have, like, everybody would get a map of the house with the names of different people's bedrooms so they knew whose bedroom to sneak off to in the middle of the night. This is, like, the key game, right, where you put the keys in the fishbowl and whatever you get yeah, the for the night. <laughs> the Victorian version of that. I want to go to that. It I want to go to that house party. Yeah. Um, that sounds unreal. So it really, I think like what we're like, honestly, I think the post world war two era is probably the truth. Actually one of the more puritanical eras, like in human history <laughs> recently. And maybe, you know, maybe the middle, middle ages weren't that great either, but our records aren't that good, but there definitely were kink like reliefs and, and these scrolls with kink activities going on in the dark ages, going back to time and memoriam. So like humans have always been at it. And it's just more or less culturally accepted. And with the rise, I hate to say this book's name, but you know what I'm going to say? It is like the zeitgeist of kink, like with Fifty Shades of Grey, even though the thing is dog shit and Mm -hmm. (laughs) abusive Mm -hmm. and terrible. It did peak the It did do one really good thing, which is it peaked the imaginations of lots of people. And so you're seeing the zeitgeist of kink coming in right now. So I think it'll be ever expanding. Um, people have always been into it and they'll continue to be. And the more acceptable it is, the more you'll see people embracing it. And you see this in the sex positive movements on sex positive and kink positive movements on social media, more mainstream social media, including Facebook, which makes it really goddamn hard Mm -hmm. to talk about sex or (laughs) anything adult. So, 
Yeah, you'll see it. There's actually a lot of kink educators now on 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 TikTok. Yeah, TikTok, kink talk, they call it. Um, yeah, and and it does seem to be kind of thriving and flourishing, even on Instagram as well. Despite both of those platforms being incredibly sex negative, yeah. um, and people having to like censor everything that they say, but yeah. um, it just goes to show that people will find a way to talk about this stuff regardless of how of how far they try to do be you, kind of push do you think that covid had an impact like i imagine that there was probably a lot of couples who um maybe weren't super happy in their sex lives with each other but were able to distract themselves enough with busy life and this and that and the other and social engagements and running around and blah 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 and then they were stuck in a in a room together and had to yeah, figure it out massive. and do, do you think like i think that covid broke a lot of relationships which is tough but I would imagine that it must mm. have actually strengthened just as many because people probably finally did the weird stuff. Yeah, I mean, as an empirical indicator, like the sex toy industry was a $20 billion um, dollar per year industry prior to COVID. It's now $25 <laughs> billion dollars a year. So that's $5 billion quid a year jump uh, wow. in two years is not insignificant. So I think that's testament. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Is that people started to experiment i definitely think as well like post pandemic this is something that i experienced myself although i've i've been in the king scene for a long time and i was intending i had kind of taken a break in around sort of 2016 mm-hmm. i was sort of ready to go back around 2020 and then the pandemic happened um and even now my attitude to life is much more like fuck it than it ever was before i'm like jesus you really only live once like we've been stuck in the house for two and a half years so just go go and do whatever it is you want to do like for me that hasn't manifested in a kink way but i think maybe for a lot of people maybe it has and and they're like they're like let me just get out here and do what i've always wanted to do because um yolo yeah 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 yolo and like tomorrow's not promised like we were stuck in the house for fucking long enough there's no point yeah and i also (laughs) I'm not to like yourself. you know bring the tone of this very intellectual discussion down but I don't know about you guys but like the more porn you have to watch the weirder the fucking porn has to be right like some yeah, of the yeah, shit yeah, that yeah. I was watching Axe. by the end of that lockdown I was really struggling to look myself in the mirror you know um <laughs> one day oh my god this is so embarrassing i'm even gonna say this in front of our 10 listeners but i made the mistake one day of watching some anime porn oh yeah it's literally just flooding my phone now just anime 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 one time fuck's sake I have a I have a true real life uh, 3D version of the story. So I ordered uh, I went to order 100 meters of cling film for you know <laughs> reasons for reasons. And instead, I ordered 1,000 meters of cling film, one kilometer of cling film. So when it came, it came in this fucking pallet, and I was like, "What fresh hell? Like, what did I do?" Open it up, and I was like, "This is a lifetime supply. Like, I have enough cling film to cling everybody I've ever met to a skyscraper, and they would be stuck there forever." <laughs> and the funnier part of finding a place to store one thousand meters of cling film in my small gaff was um, 
and finding new and creative ways to use it constantly in cooking and every other thing was that my algorithm on Amazon was fucked. It was oh, like you know, no. 1,000 meters of cling film, also like 1,000 meters of bubble wrap, also like 1,000 meters of tape, also like 10,000 zip electric zip Like I've been found. I've been found out. Did the same thing with condoms. Went to buy 100, bought 1,000. Oh no! It was like people like a thousand condoms, also like ten liters of lubricant. <laughs> also, also like 50, 50 packets of. Uh, <laughs> oh my oh, god, god! That's so funny. What have you done with all that? Li- oh, you didn't order the lube, did you? Okay. No, you I didn't. No, I I've gone through like liters of lube though. Like I'm a big fan of the silicone stuff and I do go through it and it's, and it's dear. So, well, you can never have enough lube. I, really I don't know. I think, True. I think 10 liters might be enough lube. <laughs> you don't have to use the 10 liters all at once. No, no, no. There you go. Gradually. That's very funny. <laughs> you could make like a slip and slide. You could do with all your cling film. Um, lube wrestling. Yeah, with my cling film, I cling film my whole room and then had an oil. I, that reminds in. me of boarding school, um, <laughs> not in a kinky way. Oops. Um, but we used to uh, on our parents' dime cling film each other to um, swivel chairs, and then just like spin each other, spin each other, spin each other, spin each other, and then knock them down, and they just couldn't. They just had to lie on the floor. Yeah, we could have used a, a kilometer of, Absolutely. we probably did use a kilometer of King Tom, but there was no lube. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Amazing. What a great story. My, um, my story, yeah. I love that. I'm talking about <laughs> both of the stories. Both of the stories are excellent. Um, yeah. Anything, um, Cardi, that you want to plug before you finish? Anything coming up? Yeah, your late late appearance. Are you taking over uh, yeah. from property? I bet you are. It's you. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take on the Angelus first, and then I'll go late late. Yes, yeah. that's what I want. <laughs> RTE by storm. Um, no. So, all right, Kinkify.me is forthcoming. Sign up for the newsletter and find out when that launches. Uh, DominicClarity.com. Um, honestly, I hate that I have to have a website at all. Uh, I mostly do the socials. You can find me on Fat. You can find me wherever. If you do Clarity Mills or Dominic Clarity, you will find me. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's all the plug-in I need and to do. When is the podcast coming? Do you have a, an ETA? Ah, uh, yes. So we're doing our first round of recordings with our lovely international panel of guests um, this in mid-May. So I would say realistically first drop by mid-June because that's how long it'll probably take me mm-hmm. to figure out how to edit the damn thing. We understand. If you want some pointers, I'm happy to make things a lot worse for you. Um, I'm probably. I was just thinking you. I, when you were like, "Do you want some pointers?" I was like, "Oh, Michelle, um, I don't know." <laughs> not great. It's not great. The old editing and production, but we do what we can. We do what we can. Yeah. Um, Clarity, thank you so much for coming on. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys. This is a blast. It was so much fun. We'd love to have you on again and we'll we'll get into more of the nitty gritty. Maybe and we can have you on again and when, do you, um, like a fun episode for aspiring femdoms on how to ooh, dom. Yeah. Love it. That could be fun. 
I love it. Yeah. Done. That'd be amazing. Um, that's, that's all I think now. That's, <laughs> that's, that's it. We've run out of things to say now. That's the end. Sarah, I mean, you're going to uh, King Party now on for this Friday? It is. is it this Friday? I'm going this Friday. to the Mini Munch tomorrow, um, which is going to be, well, I don't know. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I this I'm guy. I don't know. Uh, oh, mixed yeah. We're going to do a whole episode. Yeah. We're going to do a whole episode on this. Uh, we're going to do a whole episode on flirting. Yeah, which you'll need to get a guest um, in for. Will... <laughs> yeah, we will um, have to get a guest. So in yeah, for. I probably will um, go to the munch tomorrow. We'll see. And then Friday night we're going to Swingsters. And what? I don't have anybody lined up to have sex with, which. Me, is, yeah, is, your, me is yours not going? No, my 2023 well, champion that's is not I going. I wanted to slag him off um, that stupid thing he did. Um, he has okay, well, we can, we can go and have fun without sex, I think. Um, <laughs> sounds fake, but okay. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, as always, you can find us on Instagram at Pure Filth Podcast. Um, we will be back in about two weeks. You can find Clarity um, everywhere that she said on Instagram as well at Domina Clarity. That's um, That's all. Again, again, I say that is the end. Bye, Sarah. Say goodbye, Sarah. Mm-hmm.